All right, welcome to Old School. Jank Uger, Wazin Lombre, Jordan Yule, Lana on American Folks on tonight's program. Uh, and uh, and so we're gonna talk about the city wars. They have begun or they will begin shortly. I'll explain what that is. Uh, and uh, we're gonna dive into how do you think? How do you think? Interesting. Um, am I gonna tell you about a deep dive on Thursday at 5.30 hosted by Jordan Yule? Where I'm going to be taking the Pocky Chip Challenge because we raised $20,000 for helpyemennow.com. Should we make that $40,000? Sure, fine. I'm not going to stop you. Okay. Am I doing the chip because we already made a promise? Yes. Am I looking forward <laughs> to it? No one knows. Um, so, but you can check it out Thursday, 5:30 p.m. Twitch.tv/tyt. Uh, and fun announcement: Waz is going on Rebel Headquarters. Yes, sir. All right, look at that. So, uh, and by the way, Jordan's also on Rebel Headquarters. Everybody's on Rebel Headquarters. That's where the party is. And not only it's so big, that's where the after party is as well. They do the after party right after the party <laughs> at the same place. It's now nah, it's got to be somewhere else, but it's all at Rebel Headquarters. They didn't call it headquarters for nothing. Okay, uh, is this podcast brought to you by TwoStrongCoffee.com/tyt? Well, by the nature of me even saying that sentence, the answer is yes. So get the best tasting coffee in the world and the most progressive coffee. Your coffee will kick a conservative's ass in the morning before you drink it. So twostrongcoffee.com slash TYT. We're not playing with you, it's called Too Strong Coffee. All right, so um, first though, uh, I'm in Miami. I got stuck here because my flights were canceled. <laughs> Uh, like the best place in the world to get stuck. Worst place in the world to get stuck, Las Vegas. Mm. Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay, but was I'm in a uh, Uber, uh, and it's a guy from Haiti. Mm. I could tell because he has a French accent. Of course. Uh, and I said, "Are you from France or Haiti?" He said, "Haiti." And uh, and then he randomly goes on a sidewinder about how he doesn't put anything up on Instagram. Uh, because he's got to go back home to Haiti. And he's like, I'm not putting this Tesla up on Insta. He's like, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's one of those things, though, like when you're, you know, basically part of the diaspora of a country, you know, meaning you've left and you're somewhere else. Whenever you go back, most of the people in Haiti do think, if so long as you're not like basically homeless bum. Drug addict on the streets, they assume that you're pretty freaking rich. Um, and just people just assume you're really successful in that, like if you're in America, that the streets are essentially paved with gold. So I understand that. Like I, I actually can think about um some of my all of my visits to Haiti. Uh my I would always go back with the empty suitcase, right? Um, because you just inevitably just end up giving stuff away, you know, clothes, sneakers, whatever the case may be. So his instinct is uh, is is probably a pretty smart one. Um, because that's just how it goes. And it might not even just be going back to Haiti. They're gonna be all up on his WhatsApp, they're gonna be on his Facebook Messenger, they're gonna be on him, like, bro, you getting money. You know, share a little bit of that wealth. Yeah, and by the way, yes, his Uber was a Tesla. Uh, and no, it's not an Insta. You're never <laughs> gonna find him. He's in the wind. He's not the kind of guy who's gonna get caught. Okay. Uh. Um, but that's funny you say that. I've told the story before, but my cousin 
Um, and Bruce has a song about this, right? In uh, in his, I don't know if his second to last album or whatever, about how the streets are paved with gold in America and the immigrants hope and dreams of what America is in their minds, right? And my for my cousin, it was women. And, uh, <laughs> he, and he told me, he couldn't believe that I couldn't get laid in America. He thought my poor cousin, he's just gotta be the biggest schmuck in the world. And I said, how would you know? You've never even been there. How would you know it's that simple? He's like, yeah, come on, everybody knows it. You go to America and the airports, they just lift all the girls lift up their skirts. <laughs> and I was like, brother, I've been in America. I live there now. I've been in many airports. There hasn't been one girl who's lifted up her skirt, let alone all of them. He's like, you're just, you're just too hopeless. You're such a schmuck. You can't even know when the girls are lifting their skirts because I heard they all do it at the airport. <laughs> and I'm assuming they don't do this in Turkey. <laughs> no, <laughs> I got news for you. They don't do it anywhere. <laughs> really made up. It's like that clip we played earlier today. Just you know, when the Trump folks, you think they can't get any crazier. It's this lady who was like, "Oh no, it's the Space Force. Uh, they've got all the information." And they're gonna do trials and tribunals, and they're gonna try their Biden people, uh, and and you know, and we're gonna have martial law. And she was couldn't wait. I was like, you can't wait for us to be invaded by the space force so we can have martial law. And these are the right wingers who are patriotic. I mean, Those I know are the good ones. Yeah. I know a guy who's got a tattoo on his body of being un-American. That's how proud he is of it, and he's more patriotic than that. <laughs> I wouldn't say patriotic. Uh, yeah, it's there. The, uh, the artist. I, I don't know if I told you, but the artist. I went back and got another piece the other day, and I showed her how you could get the temporary tattoo in the TYT shop, and she was just overjoyed. She was. She wanted to buy one. Uh, even though she did the tattoos, like her design, uh, she really wanted the temporary one as well. She thought that was the coolest thing. That's so awesome. I, I appreciate I appreciate folks putting that together and also donating the proceeds to the Yemen Relief and Reconstruction Foundation. It's a yeah, it's a it's a funny tattoo. It's a good story. It is. So you can find that on shoptyt.com. Another sponsor of this fine program. Uh, and uh, if you, it's classic Young Turks style. If you buy it, we don't keep any of the proceeds. A bunch of you know, Soft-hearted libs giving away all the money. Just don't understand how capitalism works. Okay, You're trying supposed to help to keep the money in capitalism and <laughs> not give it away. I knew I was missing something. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I was on a right-wing podcast. Not that right-wing. Well, it probably is. But anyway, uh, Patrick Bet David. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. Uh, and so uh, it was on Friday, and it was it was hilarious to see folks. Be like genuinely surprised that progressives care about America, think it's like not like pretty good, right? And and like we talked about economic populism, and they never heard of it, right? I'm, I'm exaggerating, but not by much. And they were just it seemed like and and not in any bad way, like like pleasantly surprised at this conversation, like. The audience seems surprised, some of the hosts, some of the people in the building, et cetera, right? Um, and it made me realize, this is for the billionth time in a row, how 
unbelievably incompetent the Democratic Party is. Like all of our good points, it has not reached anybody. Because we're progressives and the media doesn't cover us. And the Democratic leadership is always making the worst points on earth. You mean you mean getting Bono to do a song, write a poem for Ukraine is not like cutting edge, groundbreaking. No, Anna, the bonus episode today, we're talking about how Trump is more entertaining than any Bono poem about Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, he just the way he like spelled the name, he's like. M-E-I-J-E-R, why is that Meyer? Why is that Meyer? It's got a, I thought it was Meijer, what's up with this guy's name? And the crowd's like loving it, right? Meanwhile, our guys are nothing but cringeola. Like they're, they, they just, it's cringemous all year with these guys. I made that up, just made it up and dropped it right there, cringemous. Okay, uh, all right, so. Let's start the city wars. Uh, Jordan, you start. Best city in America, go. Best city. Uh, man, I, I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm partial to, to DC, uh, but it's like, you know, too expensive. The people suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's just filled yeah. with awful people. I really like Baltimore. Baltimore is really great. I got my masters there, spent a lot of time there. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, is probably up there for me. Uh, yeah, if, if the weather wasn't awful in the winter, Pittsburgh's great. I, I don't like the teams, I'm a Cleveland fan, but like you can't deny that that city has an amazing fan base. Uh, it's, it, the bridges are cool, the architecture's cool, the river's running through it, it's pretty awesome. It's it's an unassuming, unpretentious city, and it's it's in the heart of the Rust Belt. I, I, like, I like Pittsburgh. So you're getting it slightly wrong. Pittsburgh is the most American city, uh, which you've <laughs> before. Okay, Pittsburgh uh-huh. is America. Okay. Yeah. Um, but favorite city, it's a little different category, if you ask me. Uh, and I don't get me wrong, I love Pittsburgh. Been there many times. Love it. Uh, and and you're definitely wrong about Baltimore. Not good city. And it's we get it. You were doing a humble brag on going to Johns Hopkins. It's okay. I got it. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> not for me. University of Baltimore. Public. I'm a public school kid. That's it. I did not know Jordan was a Rhodes Scholar. My goodness. <laughs> um, being a Baltimore Scholar, a little different. A little different. But yeah. Um, uh, so I loved everywhere I lived except Baltimore. Um, so we can come back to that, but uh, overall, your answers. DC, though, you started with DC, surprisingly top three. I'll just leave it at that for now. Uh, we go to Waz. Uh, best yeah, I'm Don't definitely the BS. That's what I was just. That's what I'm about to do to <laughs> you guys. Like, if like I'm the opposite of Jordan. I'm coastal elite to my core. Like this. <laughs> so New York. Los Angeles to me are the two best American cities for different reasons. I think LA like just offers you a quality of life when it comes to the weather and like just the access to, you know, a diverse amount of culture and things of that nature, like nature, all of this type of stuff, like the type of quality of life that you can achieve in LA is dope. However, terrible people in LA. <laughs> oh my goodness. Some 100%. of the worst people 
that you will ever meet are in LA, particularly in you know that that radius, that three or four mile radius of West Hollywood, which is just like it's tough. Um, New York again, terrible weather. You know, uh, just it can just be so brutal at times. But like, there's a lot of people in LA, but it's a very I don't know, isolated city. Um, in New York, there's a lot of people, but you're forced to interact. And I think that's the beauty of New York is that you actually have to deal with people um, in a way that you're just not forced to in LA. You get in your car, you go get your coffee, you have your headphones on, you keep it pushing. You know, um, whereas in New York, you're just constantly interacting with people. And I think that's what the best thing it has to offer. And I'm, I'll throw some southern cities in there as well. Even though Miami doesn't consider itself to be the south, it's geographically in the south. And I was actually there about two or three weeks ago um, and had an amazing time. Um, and didn't even bother with South Beach. Just downtown Miami is just incredible. Um, and Atlanta, Atlanta is another one of my favorite cities. I'm a glutton for Southern American cuisine. And in Atlanta, they got that. In spades, and they now they got like a Vietnamese population, Mexican people, so you can get good Vietnamese, good Mexican, of course, Southern style. Like, so those are my best American cities. DC is like, it's like LA people with none of the benefits. It's it's awful, you know that whole like social climbing, careerist ridiculousness that happens in LA, but with none of the benefits of actually. Getting to be here in Los Angeles. So yeah, DC would never, ever, ever make my list for anything. Yeah, so th there's a lot that you're right and wrong about. I'll clarify in a minute. Uh, and we're gonna get <laughs> to um, But first, why do you think that, like when Jordan said the DC people are awful, uh, very few things have been more true. Um, so are there wonderful people in DC overall? Of course, there yeah, are. Same with LA. Right. Uh, but but there's like uniquely terrible people in DC, like <laughs> DC culture. And they're all, they're the most strong and the most stuck up people at the same time. So it's infuriating, right? So, but I'm curious, Waz, why do you think LA has the worst people? Um, there's just a culture around, and again, like LA natives, like people who grew up in Northridge or people who grew up in Inglewood or Ladera or you you know what have you they're great people they're fine people but I don't tend to interact with those people what ends up happening is who you meet out if you're ever social in LA is people who either work in and around the entertainment industry or have moved to LA with their goal being working in or around the entertainment industry and that sort of self-selects for some of the most annoying people on planet Earth. Particularly if you're somebody like me who I guess what I do with you guys or what I do in my capacity in sports media is like entertainment adjacent, but it's sports. Like I don't got nothing to do with none of this, right? So I don't really care. Like there's no networking opportunities or like I don't care to schmooze with people in some social climbing type of way. I like to meet new people. You know, if we if we bond and we connect, let's do it. You know, I'm I'm a humanist at heart, Chang. But like, the people who want to work in entertainment, whether it be music, movies, whatever, you name it, just awful, awful, awful people. <laughs> you know, I, I always thought that you could meet people, and I guess that's networking, right? Um, without having to be 
a schmoozy clown about it. Oh. Like just <laughs> cool for a second. Just like, I don't know, hey, oh, hey, Wozni, how you doing? Nice to meet you. What's your story, right? Instead of like, hey, I know, I don't know. Like, you know, just <laughs> like be cool, be cool. Anyway, all right, so here's the official list. LA is clearly number one, but it's like almost unfair. It's it's like Tom Brady and LeBron James and Michael Jordan. It's just like because the no because it's just the weather's too good. It's not fair, and I'm not like so. I lived in LA for the last twenty years, but I'm not biased in the sense that I lived in you know a whole heap of cities, and I like them all except Baltimore. Okay. <laughs> and uh, and you know, if anything, I should be biased towards New York and New Jersey because that's where I grew up, right? And I love Jersey. Uh, but having said that, no, it's L.A. Uh, I mean, uh, it's like it rains. Uh, to, I was talking to my uh, the barber. I got my haircut here. Uh, my barber over here. I'm like, yeah, it rains two weeks a year. It gets uh, to be 100 degrees two weeks a year. And it gets to be like in the 40s and 50s, two weeks a year, and the rest is freaking awesome. And he's like, "Yeah, no, that's that's not fair." Uh, <laughs> so on that alone, it does. You can throw a hundred unbearable people at me; I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. So no love for Chicago. I I, I forgot no, to mention uh, it, but I I love Chicago, especially in the summer. No. It's great. Yeah, no. I, I've I've only ever been to Chicago, and I feel like it was either April or March, so it hadn't quite gotten actually warm yet, and it was really gray. And I was just like, "Look, I don't," because that because that's another thing too. When you're a New Yorker, like there's this stereotype that New Yorkers think you know New York is the center of the universe because it is, but then we inevitably in our arrogance just be like. To sort of hate on other cities, and so I'm conscious of that when I go other places and be like, all right, like obviously this place is its own thing. Not everything needs to be to be New York. There are great things outside of New York. I was underwhelmed by Chicago. I'm not gonna lie, in a way that I didn't expect to be. A uh, place that whelmed me, Philadelphia. <laughs> I was like, I think yeah, Philly's is a cool. really cool city, man. It's it's so underrated in my opinion. Okay. Yeah. Finally, we've got sense on this program, okay? <laughs> so, um, look, uh, New York doesn't make my top three, but it's number four. And the reason why it makes the top four, even though it bears down on you, man, it's a tough, tough city it's to tough. live, right? But having said that, it's still in top four because it's Rome. It, it I mean, now San Francisco is almost Rome, but but New but New York is still to this day the capital of the world. So and it, and it's and it delivers on that, right? When you go to New York, there's a tiny little world every three or four blocks, right? You're like all of a sudden you're in Korea, wrong. You're in Brazil. Keep walking, <laughs> right? And you're in Puerto Rico, and then you're whatever you are, right? And you're in Israel, and you're in China. And and those are kind of literal. I just listed like districts there. You might throw kind of a even smaller Turkish one in the middle there, but like it's just it's amazing. It's the capital of the world. Uh, but I, I I lived there three years and then I couldn't take it after that. Uh, the subway is just 
too depressing. <laughs> like, you go in that subway, man. No, the, the subway at 7:30 in the morning or seven in the morning to get to to commute to your job. It really is. It's it's the pits. It 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 is literally soul sucking, especially yes. on a February morning where it's nine, literally nine degrees outside, like literally. And you you woke up and you had to you know <laughs> you had to chip the ice off of your windshield with no gloves on so you could drive to the freaking parking lot of the train station. <laughs> Yeah, and then getting the, it's just oh, and then you have to go to you know you got to go to Trader Joe's or Whole Foods, carry your groceries down those subway steps onto the subway, carry them up, walk three blocks to your apartment. Hopefully it's not a walk up. It's like, dude. No, no, it's just <laughs> it's ridiculous. No, it's it's unbearable. Like soul sucking is the perfect description of the New York subway. Uh, okay, and and you like you get off the subway. There's therapist station there because you're gonna need them. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's not true. I made that up, but it should be true. They make gangbuster business if they just set up at the end of any subway in New York. And now when I go to visit New York, I actually take the subway all the time, and it's kind of fun. Yeah, it's like got nostalgia, and it's the middle of the day, and it's okay, right? But here's what wasn't fun. Taking it in July, back when I was growing oh, up, man. when he didn't even have AC. Oh man, subway cars. Oh. So hot down there in the summer. <laughs> it's it's like so it's it's less cold than outside in the winter for sure. So it's warmer than in the winter. But like when it gets to be 98 degrees in July and August, and you know 100% humidity, uh, and I don't know. I forget what the science is as to why it's like way hotter in the subways. It's something to do with like the electricity and all this other shit. Stuff, excuse me, <laughs> all this other stuff. Um, but like it's, dude, yeah. The the summertime on the subway, we're like <laughs> so. <laughs> so every now and again, I'm having all of these flashbacks. Like every now and again, it'll be five o'clock in July. You're coming back, you're going home from work, and you know, it's rush hour. So every single train car is just completely packed. And then you can see that one train car that's empty, except for the one person who's sitting all the way at the end of it. And you're like, why would I not get on this car? Like, I'll get a seat, it'll be great. I'm going into Queens. Soon as you walk in, there's a homeless homie who probably hasn't showered in weeks. And you you can't hand you can't it's is this is not to denigrate this homie. I'm sure he's had like you know some unfortunate things happen in his life for to end up in those circumstances. But you can't understand the smell of some somebody in the summertime when it's a hundred something degrees and they haven't showered in probably two weeks on that subway car. Like these are the kinds of things. But was I mean. Honestly, that's a rookie mistake in New York. <laughs> I know. If I see a subway car with a bunch of other cars are packed, but yeah. there's one guy and he's the only guy in that subway car, no way I'm going in there. <laughs> there's no way. I already know it's probably the smell and uh-huh. it'd be the worst decision of your life. Or, or some people, because they they're like jank and they are glutton for pain. That might be the one car where the AC is out. 
and it's just whatever pouring sweat. Like I don't care. I just want to sit down yeah. <laughs> on my ride to Jackson Heights. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just on. But if you're taking it in a subway, especially in the winter or summer, and and but in in uh, commute times, right? Um, you will see the saddest faces you've ever seen in humanity. Like you'll see cheerier faces in a bomb shelter. Um, just like on the way back from work, it's like 6.30, 7.30, but they're still coming back from work. People are just like misery's pouring from their face. So fourth best city. Um, <laughs> but like, but fun stuff happens in New York. I mean, I've met random people who have turned into girlfriends or friends or whatever. It's the most convivial city. You, you know, it has the worst reputation for being rude when it's actually not that rude. Yeah, there's patches of rudeness, but people talk to each other. People, things, interesting things happen in New York all the time. Sometimes too interesting. <laughs> uh, my like my ex girlfriend Zara, she used to live up like on 102nd or something, or 92nd. I don't remember. Anyway, uh, she's walking home. Her heel breaks the, on her shoe, right? And some guy comes up to her and says, "I'll give you a hundred dollars for your shoes." She's like, "Why? They're broken." And he's like, "Yeah, but they're on your feet." And she's <laughs> like, "Oh, for Christ's sake!" <laughs> and I said, "What'd you do, Zara?" She's like, "I bought new shoes with a hundred dollars I got." <laughs> <laughs> That's New York. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, man. I and I know people who have had personal stories, not to get back on the subway, but like. Guys like literally pleasuring themselves on the subway at rush at rush hour, like train full of people, subway car full of people, people pleasuring themselves. But again, like the the thing that you did when you live in New York, what you convince yourself is like those pockets in like May and even June and October and September, where like the weather is perfect and you know, you walk outside on certain days and you literally feel like the world is at your fingertips. Like anything is possible, anything can happen. There's an adventure waiting for you around the corner. Like you do have those magical moments when it comes together in New York. It's just at my age, those moments come too far in between each other. And um, yeah, I'll, I'll take a lazy, you know, 68 degree. LA day uh, in the middle of February. My birthday's in February. I remember like damn near breaking my ankle on some black ice, drunk leaving a birthday party once where I slipped and I was parallel to the ground and just cooked myself at like 3.30 in the morning. My brother was my designated driver, he's driving me home. I could barely walk for like a month after that. Um, That's what my birthdays were like. <laughs> In New York, and now we're doing like rooftops, open air in February. Like it, it, it's 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 just like Jenk said, it's it's just tough to compare. Yeah. So last New York thing, uh, I remember one time I was in cleats and I, but I was late to a football game at a park, and it was in the middle of winter, and it was it had snowed the night before, and it was a little icy on the ground. Running with cleats on. In the New York pavement with ice, worst idea ever. So my, of course, I invariably slip, and I hit the concrete, and the back of my head hits the concrete. Oh. Okay, New York's tough living. 
<laughs> you should try it. You should try it, but not for too long. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that was totally on me, not really New York, but still. Uh, okay. Anyways, to finish up, um, correct orders: L.A. number one, Miami number two, D.C. number three, New York four, and I would love to say Pittsburgh is five. And give me like if I just lived in Pittsburgh for two months, I'm sure I'd have it at number four and not even number five. But I didn't live in Pittsburgh. I lived in Philly, and Philly's totally underrated. Philly's a great American city, super underrated. Um, so I, 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 and Philly's got great food. Yeah. For me, food's huge, and and not expensive food. I'm sure they, I'm yeah. sure they. Expensive food. So but much it, more affordable than New York or DC. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the most affordable, best affordable to taste ratio in America is in Philly. Everybody knows this. It's a fact. That's why I made it in the top five. <laughs> and Miami. So I come here. Don't take the strong way. I'm gonna start with girls, but I'm gonna move on to guys too. Okay. So, <laughs> so I come here. I'll tell you guys quick stories. So uh, first night, uh, one of my favorite places. I'm a nostalgic guy. That's actually my secret conservative side, and I hang out to the past. So I I love to go to the old restaurants that I used to go to here. So I go to one of them. But hey, COVID happened. So that place is shut down and turns out a lot of places are shut down because of COVID. So I gotta go find another restaurant nearby. And I see this place that's like weirdly hip. Like it's a <laughs> restaurant, it's like, it's called, I think it's called Fly Sushi Chicken. And I'm like sushi plus chicken. And I asked them, what do you guys have here? They're like mainly really good sushi and fried chicken. And I was like, Okay, that sounds fun, right? Like it's hard to say no just on that. And then it's like in a like a tire shop kind of thing, because why not? Because it's Miami, uh, and it's got to be cool in a way that's inexplicable. Um, and and then you look, I looked around, and there was like eight of the most beautiful women you have ever seen. Okay, and I'm like, whoa. Okay, sure, yeah, I'll do this. And then the guys come up to me. For a guy comes to me and goes, "Can I help you?" I'm like, "Yeah." dinner, right? And they're like, okay. And then another woman comes up to me afterwards and says, is there something you wanted? I'm like, yeah, dinner, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, uh, and, and I even texted a friend, I'm like, Jesus, man, the women here are, like guys, I, I can't describe it, unreal beautiful, unreal. Like if you saw them in a movie, you'd be like a bit much. A bit much, right? And so I, I have the whole dinner, and then I'm gonna use the restroom before I leave. So I go to open, I'm outside, right? So I go to open the, the door to the rest of the restaurant, I presume, and I open it up. Oh, turns out it's a restaurant slash club, and there's 40 other gorgeous women inside <laughs> the club. And it turns out they kept asking me because People normally go to the club there, and I look like a, the most tourist dad you've ever seen. So they were kind of asking me, like, "Can we help you, sir? Because you're definitely not getting into this club." <laughs> <laughs> and then they were like, kind of confused that I was just having dinner, and they're like, "Okay, I guess so." It might have been the first time anybody ever just showed up and had dinner there. 
<laughs> but yeah, that 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 that's um that's Miami, man. I uh I was there for four days and I don't really know the last time I really hung out in Miami. It had been years, a long time, and it's a lot different now um than than the last time that I was there and like what they got going on in, in Brickell and, and Winwood. You know, we were out for brunch on a on a Sunday afternoon. It was just people just everywhere and a bunch of places all just like, you know, populated with people playing music, eating food, having drinks. I was like, yeah, this is it's happening down there in a in a dope way. Um obviously there's another side to all of that in Miami, as it's most things, but um you can get yourself into some some good trouble down there. You could also get yourself in a lot of bad trouble. <laughs> yes. Okay. But but Miami is just indisputably fun. Uh and and yeah, the weather on the humidity is just awful, right? I, I get it. On the other hand, there's no winter. Um, but uh but it's it's too much fun, too much like intrigue, mystery. It's like a fantasy world. It's it's Miami's fantasy island. Uh, except uh, there's no Mr. Roar and there's no plane. But um, okay, but like to give you a I don't think me and Jordan got that reference, Cenk. No, <laughs> no, I'm sorry, I'm just nodding. That, if you think that's bad, I made a reference to Bosom Buddies in the <laughs> show today. Like that's so old school sitcom from the 80s. There's no way you guys, you whippersnappers know it. Um, all right, anyway, last thing about Miami. The next day I go to my favorite diner there. And uh, and now this time it was the guys that were impossibly hot. Like if you put them in a movie, they'd be like, "Is this a joke? Like did this turn into a comedy? Because this is absurd." It first it turns out the Miami Fire and Rescue were eating there, so like four like incredibly good looking guys get up and walk out. They're all like incredibly buff, good looking and stuff. Then my waiter comes over and he looks like effing Thor. Okay. And then I'm like, it can't get any crazy. I'm like, what? I had all the women last night. And then these, like, and then a cop walks in and he's just CGI. He's this black guy and his hips like 10 inches. And then his body's like this unbelievable thing. It's like, I don't know, it was six five. He was built with muscles that were impossible. They were just impossible. Every girl in the place goes like, <laughs> and just looked at him the whole time he was picking up food. They wouldn't take their eyes off. One of them, like I saw a girl do this to their her friend, like elbowing her and stuff. And then I'm think, okay, can't this can't get any crazier? Then four preppy guys go come in, and I, you know, preppy guys, eh, you know, I don't like them too much. And <laughs> figure, okay, good, this is gonna bring down the average. They're gonna be douches, okay. No, they're impossibly good looking. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? And then I hear them later and they're speaking Italian. It turns out they weren't preppy, they were young Italian guys. <laughs> I mean, if you get on the first night, you might have been excited if you're like a random dude like me, like, oh man, Miami's got a lot of attractive women. Maybe I got a shot here. And then you see the guys who are like, oh yeah, I get it now. No, I don't have a shot. No. Well, you might have a shot, Shank. You got a pretty good job. <laughs> so That's you true. might have a pretty good <laughs> chance in Miami, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those 
<laughs> it is fair to say that some of those women uh, do not have day jobs. Yeah, okay, and so and I know I'm not saying that they have night jobs. I'm saying they don't have any jobs <laughs> other than to be hot, and that and that works out just fine for them. And that's Miami, so that becomes a second. But Washington, Jordan, I got a soft spot in my heart for for Washington. I I lived there for three years, and you know why Washington is great? Because the buildings are old and cool, uh, and yet it's still green. Like it yeah. does, it's really open space. It doesn't bear down on you at all. Yeah, I think that's also the height restriction. It's a pretty like short city, uh, so it doesn't really feel uh, overbearing like other cities with skyscrapers does. It's very green right now. It's like the best time of the year. It's cherry blossom season, so people are flooding the city from all over to come see them. So the tidal basin is just stunning. But overall, yeah, I've been here a, a decade, and I, I really, I really like it. The the Art and music scene is great. It's you know one of the jazz and blues hubs. There's legendary blues institutions here. There are you know some pretty great restaurants. You have uh, multiple different theaters if you're into shows or musicals. You can get a pretty good uh, cultural experience here if you just kind of wade through the the sea of lawyers, lobbyists, and <laughs> you know, Hill staffers who think that they're you know, just as important as senators. It's those types of people. I think the, the, the types of people, obviously lobbyists are ghouls. You know, lawyers make everything more complicated and annoying. A ton of careers and opportunists, but there's like a unique kind of annoying from like Capitol Hill and even Capitol Hill adjacent staffers, like low level staffers, they, they take on this really, Aggressive sense of self-importance, and it's just like they're very annoying to talk to. If you meet one at a party or at a social function, also another annoying thing about the city is the first question is always, "What do you do?" do, you do? Your job defines you here in a way that I haven't experienced in other cities. People just want to get to know you other places. Here, it's like, "What can you do to help me?" And that's just kind of the framework of a lot of relationships here. It's very symbiotic. But the the the, the self-important nature from a lot of like Cap, low level Capitol Hill staffers, just because they're proximate to power, is just really aggravating. And every, if that it comes up early in a conversation, I am finding a way out of it as soon as possible because I don't want to know them. So, Jordan, I keep shaking my head because uh, you're absolutely right. <laughs> okay, you just are. Everything Jordan just said about DC is 100% correct. Don't listen to anyone else about DC, just listen to Jordan. Okay, and first of all, the one thing I gotta say, I, get, I like the height restriction. That Miami cop would have never made it in uh, at five nine. I'm good. <laughs> um, <laughs> you might have meant something else, but still. Um, okay. Sure. Uh, but the staffer thing is so true. Like I, I was confused by it. I'm like, wait, let me get this right. You're an irrelevant staffer to an irrelevant congressman. <laughs> they all do absolutely nothing. And and Jordan, you nailed it. You took the words right out of my mouth. Self-important. Like you yeah. want to meet self-important people, you go to Washington. They're like, oh, the my member the is on the energy subcommittee. Whoa, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the conversations are always like, you're lucky to even be talking to me right now. Do you know how much paperwork I could be sorting for my boss right now? It's just like it. The, it that's just like their their approach. It's like. Oh, 
I guess I'll give you five minutes of my time. It's really weird, and it's it's really just Capitol Hill and Capitol Hill adjacent people. It's it's so strange. So yeah. have you met these these kinds of people, Jordan, at like like a dinner party, or even just like just casually you'll meet somebody. And it's like, hey, what's up? I'm Jordan. Nice to meet you. Yeah, I do X, Y, and Z. Um, I guess I guess I should ask you what you do since you just all up in my business. And then they just say, and then that's how that happens. Yeah, they'll they'll. They'll usually ask what you do just so they can then tell you after you're done. Oh, I work on the hill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't I don't I actually actively hate that I know that now. Okay, can I just tell you though? I said that line about Johns Hopkins. I think I knew that you didn't go there because no, that's the because I'm the kind of unbearable guy that does that trick. Okay. <laughs> Oh, like they'd be like, oh, Philly. Oh, yeah, I, uh, I live uh, four years in Philly. Really? Why? Where were you? Uh, I just went to a school there. Which one? Uh, it's a warden, not a big <laughs> Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm the worst. I'm uh, the worst, but I admit it. Okay. So, but I, the, the what do you do line, I use that a lot. You know why? Because I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I, I remember, you know, it, the most common mistake I've said it a million times is, uh, and no one can escape their own perspective, right? So I would go to bars when I was younger and try to talk politics and philosophy oh, in Jersey. Oh my okay. God. I mean, I was the worst. Like <laughs> women kept giving me befuddled looks. I would ask people what they do, and they'd be like, "Ew, right?" And <laughs> But I just because I didn't know what I was doing, I didn't know what to ask them. I'm like, I mean, if you don't ask them what they do, I'm like, what do you ask them, right? I didn't know that you were just supposed to, you know, shoot the da da da, right? And and make funny jokes. And so I was just, God, it would have been great to have me on tape back then. Like the awkwardness was unparalleled. I, I excelled at awkwardness. Uh, so. That that's why the what do you do? I don't mind that one as much because there, but for the grace of God, go I. Okay, um, but I wouldn't be like I remember back then. I used to do public access talk show, right? Which doesn't pay. It's you know, it's it's nothing, right? And and in the media world, there's nothing lower than public access. Yeah. <laughs> like, like especially back in the day, like before. A lot of the before YouTube and people on started making videos on their own. There was just professional media and public access. And if you don't, you're on public access. They're like, oh, oh, <laughs> like you wanted to avert your gaze, like. Oh. And so, I, I don't know. So I was like, um, I told them that. I said, oh, I I do a show in public access. People are like, you get paid for that. Like no, I just do it because I think it's great and it's fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah I can imagine the women weren't lining up. <laughs> That's why your cousin in Turkey was confused, Jane. Totally, <laughs> maybe he was right. People say, "What do you do?" Say, "Now put the skirt down." Put the skirt down. Okay, I mean, there's. A, there's a 12% chance I once asked a girl about Nietzsche at a bar. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> how'd that end up? Uh, well, 
<laughs> Here's how it didn't end up. <laughs> Their skirt was all the way down. <laughs> okay, it's not a thing, guys. It's not a thing. We're just joking around. Okay. Um, so, anyways, um, Matt Smith wrote in on Super Chat uh, Columbus, Ohio isn't bad. Wrong. It is. Next. Um, I actually have never been to Columbus. It's one of the few cities in America that I have been to. But I can't. It's in Ohio. Come on. It's just a college town. Like it's just. I. I mean, I grew up in Ohio. Spent time there. It's. It's like okay. If you go to Ohio State, it's great. If you love the Buckeyes, it's great. It's. But that's like it. It's a college town. College yeah. and insurance. And oh, just leave it at college. <laughs> uh, okay. Like college town. That's great. It's nothing wrong. College town is super fun. I bet you it's uh, fun in that in that way. But let's keep it real. It's Ohio. Just get real, okay? And I, you know, Nina Turner running in Cleveland, so I'm not saying anything bad about Cleveland. I've been to Cleveland. Very bottom. Very the, bottom. the the reputation makes sense, um, to be honest, man. Um, went to Fourth Street, which my uh, colleague uh, Jade Hoy derisively called Fun Street. Because that's like where literally everything is. It's like three restaurants and two bars, and like that's it. That's that that's the the sum total of the downtown. So he kept saying, like, yeah, I think we're gonna go. We were there for the NBA finals in 2016. He's like, Yeah, I'm gonna go to Fun Street for lunch. <laughs> it was tough, man. It was like and no matter what time of day you're there in downtown, like there's nobody there. It's like completely empty. Um, it's just a crazy city, you know, like it's just wild um to just be there and realize like, wow, like, you know, we call stuff stupid stuff like mid-tier city, whatever. Um, but man, Cleveland, I was surprised because I had a I had a pretty like, all right, this is gonna be not the most amazing experience of my life, being in Cleveland for three to four days. And I came away being like, yeah, this just wasn't it. Although I will say this, I had one of the best steaks of my life at a place called Urban Farmer, where they like fly in the beef from Oregon and and all kinds of different places all over the country. Like before you you order it, they tell you how when they bought the meat and what region they got it from and blah, 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 blah. Like Urban Farmer was incredible food, but yeah, um, the mistake by the lake, not great. Yeah, it's gotten better. It's gotten a lot better. Growing up and going there, it, it stunk. But honestly, the LeBron years in Cleveland and then the RNC, between those two things, they pumped <laughs> so much money into the downtown area. It's sad that the RNC had a, that big of an impact, but it's definitely changed a lot. For nightlife, Lakewood is a lot better. Downtown generally just is kind of. I stayed in Lakewood. Lakewood that's that's where I was staying cool. at. Yeah, but you know, uh, Cleveland has a is a weird energy. It, it's like a, a, but it's kind of bored, but like cautious at the same time. Like every part of Cleveland, somebody told me, "Oh no, no, you don't want to go to the other part of Cleveland." I'm like, but every part of Cleveland <laughs> just holds it. <laughs> right. So, uh, anyways, but I, I can't. I love every American city. So, and since Nina Turner's running there, I instantly have gone from 
hating Cleveland my whole life. To say, oh, Cleveland's not so bad. <laughs> okay. By the way, is that a Cleveland hat, Jordan? Yeah. Yeah. Look at that. Okay. It's a 1920s uh, uh, baseball team hat. Uh, all right. <laughs> I'm not saying the name, but you know what it is. Yeah. Yes, we do. <laughs> what it was. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, uh, real quick, last comments from uh, the audience. Mickey C, the silver. Hair Dragon wrote an LOL in New York City. You have to interact with people. That's exactly why I moved to the Adirondacks to look at the woods with no immediate neighbors except the animals, which are much nicer, nicer than most people. Well, I hear you on that, brother. Um, and just be anti-racist said, "Excuse me, Jank, but you have not heard of Green Bay, Wisconsin. You all oh, want to talk man. about most loyal fan base." Like how the residents and fans all over the world own stock in the Packers. Talk about socialism or about how the Packers cannot leave Green Bay without the residents here permission via vote on a ballot during an election. Green Bay is not the biggest city by population. However, we do have the biggest hearts. I hear you on all of that and no. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't been to Green Bay, but I've been to Madison and Madison is beautiful. It's wonderful. No. Okay, um, so <laughs> not top five. Love you though. Love you. Okay, um, okay. All of a sudden, we're out of time. We didn't even get to how we think. Well, what are you going to do? Not watch the next episode and figure out how we think? It's going to solve all the mysteries of the world. Tyt.com/slash/join. Plus, make sure you're watching both Jordan and Waz on Rebel HQ. We'll be right back. All right. Uh, back on old school, Jank, uh, Wazni Lombre, Jordan Yule, um, Deep Dive, Rebel Headquarters, The Ringer. Those are random things. Find uh, Jordan and Waz in some of those. Okay, uh, good luck. Um, so, uh, how do you think? It's kind of a funny question. I've been meaning to ask it for weeks and weeks on old school. So, let's just do it. Okay, so, Jordan. Um, when I ask that question, here's kind of what I mean. Um, well, let's start this way, right? So you're alone in the New York subway. You're miserable. Uh, okay, no, Great you, setting. yeah, any setting you like. No, the point being, you're not doing anything else, right? You're not watching a TV. You're not reading a book. You're not listening to music. Uh, what do you, let's start with what, what do you normally think about? It's a broad, it's a broad question. Uh, yeah. You know, I think probably recent interactions, things that happened that day, kind of think through them. I just, I think I'm pretty observant. So we'll just kind of like look around me and just take in my surroundings. Um, if I'm, yeah, let's just say I'm on a on a subway ride. I'm just gonna look around. I'm gonna look if we're at a stop. Look, just kind of people watch. Just kind of live in the moment. Um, this is assuming no phone, because otherwise I would probably just be on my phone. Yeah, but yeah, That's just kind of take take the world in. And uh, what percentage of the time do you think you daydream in those moments? So define that. Do you mean like thinking about like just a, a hypothetical or just letting my mind wander, or is it just daydreaming as in like, you know, thinking through past things that happened? What do you mean? Uh, 
No, I mean like daydream as in concoct a fantasy in your head. Like oh, I never I do that. <laughs> never. Not 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 just I'm not a fantasy world type of person. I like to try no, to live I, I don't the, mean like reality. I roll a fantasy where there's like no. a dungeon and someone's dressed up. No, the, the only fantasies I tend to think about is like you meet a new woman and you're like, oh, this is gonna go great in the future. <laughs> right? Like, uh, oh, we hit it off. This is gonna work out fantastically. Those are usually fantasies. <laughs> usually. Yeah. You guys so never comes of it. <laughs> how about any like career fantasies? Do you guys have any of that? Um, definitely. No. Definitely. I think about, but for me, it's like what could I do that will potentially put me in a position to make more money in my career? <laughs> that's that's basically how my mindset goes like, oh, I should try to work on this thing because if I'm successful at it, it's gonna make me a more attractive person in my career. But to get back to your Jordan question, if I'm not on my phone, I'm not listening to a podcast, I'm not listening to music, I'm one, not 100, probably like 85% thinking about food. Food that I wanna eat, food that I've had, food that I'm gonna make, Restaurant that I'm gonna try to check out. Um, <laughs> I'm thinking about food all the time. As soon as I get off of this call with you guys, I'm going to Ralph's to go um, grocery shopping because I haven't been here for four days. Um, yeah, I'm always, always just the greediest bastard ever and just thinking about food constantly. And Waz, don't tell us what the other 15% is. We know. <laughs> <laughs> we know you don't have to say it. It's okay. We're all good. Oh, on, on that front, so if he's if he for it's it's food for was. Mine is what else do I need to do today? And it's thinking through like how do I get all my work done? Because uh, I just always have a lot on my plate. I might say yes to too many things, uh, but it's just like okay, planning out my week. I'm a, I'm a big planner uh, and and organizer in in my head for work. So it's mostly just, what do I got to do for this? How do I? How can I make it as good as possible? How do I do my next Rebel video, or what am I going to talk about on Deep Dive or the podcast or whatever? It's just, it's always work. Yeah, see, that that's definitely one of the places I was going to go. Um, so, but first, um, you like you guys never give speeches at the Democratic National Convention in your head. <laughs> <laughs> it's just me. Okay. I'm more of an APAC kind of guy. Uh, uh, man. <laughs> I thought you were going to say CPAC. CPAC. That's funny. <laughs> Already done it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, I, I'm more likely to do CPAC than APAC. Uh, <laughs> so, anyways, uh, no, but uh, I do. I think a lot about work. Um, so, uh, Waz, you do the short term thinking about work too, or the stuff you got to do. I yeah. saw your head. Yeah, 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 definitely. To me, it's like, all right, there's this thing that's in my grasp of, you know, I can get it done. And then I think to myself, all right, what would it, what would it mean to do this the right way? Like, do it well. And then what will it mean after doing that well, right? Like that's that's kind of how I think about things. It's always just like, all right, 
this would be pretty good or cool or interesting. All right, let me set myself up so I could make it happen possibly, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. See, I do that ad infinitum and I do that for my whole career. Like I will think through the next 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys, Jordan, it sounds like you're not mental like that, um, but it. But I don't know, that's why I'm asking. Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I take work kind of just like as it comes for the most part. Like I have like a, a long-term goal and that's really just being productive and relatively successful. Like I don't really, I'm not like super money motivated, just like wanna be in the nonprofit or progressive world for the rest of my life, right? So that's just like what let's I enter the nonprofit space, like the activism space right out of college, and I just don't want to ever leave. So it's like, okay, how do I do this in perpetuity? And that's kind of my long-term framework. And I just operate within that. Like what opportunity looks good? How do I avoid compromising on principles? And how do I keep a roof over my head? That's kind of my thinking. And then everything everything else just comes and goes. Yeah, it's so Washington to have one of your primary thoughts about your job being, how do I not compromise on principle? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it's 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 awful. So I, we don't I haven't talked about this often since we're behind a paywall. I can now. So a a couple people came up to Ken Klippenstein and me a couple years ago, and they were like, we think you'd be good to run this enterprise, this operation. I won't say which, and it was media adjacent. Like we think you guys would be good to run this. You guys would, you know, one would be this title, one would be that title, but you guys would effectively be in charge of this entire operation. You got a staff of 20, big budget, and we'll pay you blank. Triple, quadruple our current salaries. And we're like, oh, okay, what's the catch? So we're going through a couple conversations with them and we're like asking all these questions and we're like, okay, are we going to be able to say what we think, even if it kind of ruffles the feathers of the Democrats. Are we going to be able to report things critically of Democrats in power? And are there limitations on what we can and can't do or say? And you know, the answers weren't to our liking on that and we just turned it down. That would have completely changed both of our lives and we both felt like, no, this isn't this isn't worth it. And it is like that would have been a cool opportunity, but like that's just not what we either of us wanted to do. So we just said no. And there's a lot of other people that don't care about that. And that's that's that sucks. And you see a lot of people, like even people who worked on the Bernie campaign in 2016, just go do a complete 180 and like work for Biden. It's like, do you believe these things or not? Because we're not going to win these if you've if you're that easy to flip. Yeah. Um. I've seen that happen, unfortunately, a number of times. Simone Sanders. Um, anyways, <laughs> <was talking about>. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, a lot of people have been offered 2x, 4x uh, salaries to leave TYT and have said no um, because we care about what we're doing. Uh, and so it's kind of fun, it's kind of neat to care about what you're doing, and it's kind of soul sucking to do something you don't believe in. Um, so I'm not sure any salary is worth it. But so those guys, I presume, started that thing, Jordan, without telling us what that thing is. 
Uh, did it succeed? Is it already out of business? It's out there. It's it's still out there. I don't think it's it's never going to change anything. It's going to serve as you know a fluffer for the Democrats, and that's just not what I want to oh, do. It's not what Ken wants to do. You to sign a, a set up CNN. Oh. <laughs> CNN Plus, baby. <laughs> Who's come on CNN Plus? Come on CNN Plus. Oh I'm, man, I'm almost rooting for you. You're such a bad idea. You You're know like, so. You know what's so funny about Jordan bringing up integrity, because in in, in my job, you know, covering sports, um, like there's no actual like compromising your integrity has no actual consequences, right? You're just seen as a hack within your media cohorts, but like it doesn't negatively affect the world, right? So like <laughs> for instance, back when I was at the Athletic, uh the the sneaker and apparel company New Balance reached out to me um about potentially doing a story on them involving Kawhi Leonard, his new deal with them, all this other stuff. And I was like, "Yeah, cool. I actually like what you guys are doing. Like it'd be dope to like actually, you know, they were setting up interviews with the head of global marketing, like their lead engineers, like all this like dope shit, like real access." And I remember <laughs> I remember New Balance had offered to fly me out and put me up to come talk to these people. And I remember I talked to my editor, Khalid, uh, my man who I, I love him. He's a great guy. And he was like, that's, you can't accept a gift from a potential subject. And in my head, I was like, I mean, like if I say New Balance is cooler than Adidas now, like there's no actual, you know, consequences. So like I always tell people like, I am absolutely for sale. <laughs> like It won't be cheap, but I'm definitely for sale when it comes to this. You know, sports media stuff. Like you see people, there's certain people in the media, like there's a woman who works for ESPN who is clearly, like, she's clearly one of Jeannie Buss, the owner of the Lakers dinner party friends. 100 percent Whenever she puts anything out about the Lakers, it's Laker PR, it's spin, it's propaganda. Everybody knows it. It's an open secret. It's like it's the least controversial thing. But again, like she's a hack. She's a sellout, but like what are the actual consequences? You know, working for Joe Biden has consequences, you know? Yeah. No, no, you're exactly right. Nobody gets hurt. You know, New Balance has nice wide shoes. You're not gonna get hurt from that. Okay. (laughs) Best wide shoes in the business. Everybody knows. They're not even our sponsor, and I'm telling you, okay. Uh, but it, it's like, okay, so let's say that you uh, repped ASICs and they broke a couple of ankles. So what? Okay, it's just ankles. Right. Like, uh, uh, but in politics, selling out to your point has massive consequences. Massive consequences. Yeah. 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 So it's totally, it's a great point. Um, so, but was, let me say with you, do you ever like, you know, sometimes people dream of like the Oscar speech, right? Give the, like an award at the Oscars, et cetera. Do you have in your mind some version of the Oscars that you daydream about? Like, oh, like if I won the Super Bowl, if I, you know what I'm saying? 
You know what's crazy is the reason why I liked Bernie, why I still love Bernie, is the things that he was willing to say to these people's faces, i.e., fellow Democrats. Like, you're fucking sellouts. This is how I could bring up a list of your campaign contributions. I could, like, like, he's literally telling them to their faces on national TV in a public platform, like, you guys are the problem. And here's why. That's what I like. I don't necessarily think about me delivering these speeches, but just like somebody in a public platform, like letting these people know who they are to their faces, right? And them having to face that truth. Like, you know, like I would just love for somebody to be able to like really tell Joe Manchin, like, yo, bro, like you're the worst. For real, but somebody of prominence, not some freaking, you know, some little guy like me, you know, like what, what's that gonna do? You know, those people waving at him on his boat. Like that's what I think about, not necessarily me being the one to deliver it, because obviously I'm not important enough for it to matter, but I would love for somebody important to tell these people to their faces again the way Bernie did. Like again, Nancy Pelosi got up there. Talking about the, you know, Congress people owning personal stock in companies. And she was just like, I don't see why we need a rule. I'm gonna err on trusting and believing in the integrity of my colleagues here in Congress. And like, I was just like, is nobody gonna get up and tell her to shut the hell up? That's the most absurd thing anybody's ever said. And no, they just skate on the Sunday shows, they just skate. You know, and that's what was to me one of the dopest parts about Bernie's campaign is again, like on a nationally televised debate, he could lay out the facts for people and be like, this is who these people are, this is what they do. You know? Yeah, well, if you like Bernie doing that, wait till you get a load of Nina Turner. Uh, I'm not saying ninaturner.com slash hello, uh, but that is the URL, and that is where you would give grassroots money instead of corporate money. And then you would get to at least fulfill Waz's dream, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> because Nina gonna do that, okay? Can't wait, ninaturner.com slash hello. All right, um, I like that uh, in your daydreams, you live vicariously through others, Waz. Uh, yeah. that's, that's unique, I like that. Um, in my daydreams, I just give the speech myself, let's move on, okay? <laughs> let's just skip to it, let's get to it, okay? You know it, I know it, you know I'm not gonna be able to stop myself anyway. <laughs> so Jordan, how about you? Any Oscars type of thing in your head? Uh, no, I'm not a huge, I'm not big on public speaking, which I realize is kind of funny with you know doing these shows. Uh, just the in-person thing is not something I have ever tried to get myself you know, into. I got invited last, to speak at an event like a week or two ago. And that was the first time I ever gave a speech. Uh, and it was at this, this collective, uh, this kind of travels between like New York and DC and Chicago called Digital Void. And they were talking about the future of the internet and connectivity and people from DC, different groups came and spoke about things that interested them and they thought the audience would, would like. I was nervous as hell. Uh, and then I get to run a show the night before and like, you're going last. 
It's like, oh, great. I get to sit here for three hours and just wait until it's my time. My time. And I've never done it before. Um, but went up there and just spoke about how much I hate the military and how they use Twitch and other uh, social media platforms to recruit people uh, to join and trick them into signing you know, fake giveaway forms for Xbox controllers that are actually recruiting forms. Now they do this with kids as young as 12. And you know, people enjoyed it. So I think I'm good on the speeches after the one and done. I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna leave it there. <laughs> if I get, that's if it. I get invited, wrapped it up. I'll do it again. Yeah, it's just like yeah. it's it's really nerve wracking. I don't know why. I'm just not a See, not big the, on public speaking. See, that's the fun thing about my existence, which is that um, I've now given so many speeches, talked in so many different public arenas and formats that I don't know that I'm capable of being nervous. I probably am, but but hadn't happened in a while. Uh, and so like you tell me the topic of the speech, I get up and right now and do it. I'll do, I give you a solid 20 minutes. Doesn't matter what the topic is, okay? Uh, in fact, I once gave a speech at a car dealer convention. <laughs> I don't know, they paid me, right? So. Uh, I don't. It was not not car dealer, car parts. Okay, and uh, that's how little I know about car parts is that I confuse them for car dealers. Um, and so uh, I gave the least well received speech of my life. I thought it was good about small businesses versus large businesses, and they were all small businesses. I thought I nailed it. That room is like I don't know that any room's ever been quieter. Uh, if they. <laughs> If they had daydreams, they were having them then. They were having them then. Okay, nobody was paying attention. No one cared. But backstage, I got to meet Kurt Warner and hung out with him for like 20 minutes. So totally worth it. Was he a nice guy? Super swell guy. You know, it's funny. You know, our expectations of famous people are so low that they're hilarious. Like everybody's always like, I met this guy. Oh, I met Tom Cruise. He's so nice. I'm Mike always nervous about Dick. I don't I'm know. I'm always <laughs> no. I'm always nervous about the the God people. They, yeah. they just give me pause. The, the 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 God stuff. It's just it's tough for me. Like the hyper religious people. It, it, I don't. It's a bias of mine. Honestly, it is a. It like it, it like I'm biased against people who are hyper religious in their expression of their you know religiosity or whatever like be as into jesus as you want to but like when people are like no part of my self identity is that i let the whole world know i love jesus i'm just like okay no you know was i never thought about it that way but you're making a really interesting point because those folks are like awkward in their aggressiveness about their ideology if we were the same way, it would be so weird. But like, hey, how you doing? Oh, I'll take a donut. And plus, did you know God doesn't exist? <laughs> okay, and it's just a fairy tale, just like Lord <laughs> Zeus. Anyway, have a great day, guys. Okay, and if you want, come by on Thursday where we talk all night about how God doesn't exist. <laughs> right? But they feel like what if they're talking about yeah. Jesus? They feel justified because there's. Because in their mind, to be fair to them, they genuinely think they're about to save your soul. You know, over coffee and donuts as you as you're ordering. My soul is long gone. 
from. <laughs> By the way, good news for you, Waz. There is no such thing as a soul. We talk about it all night on Thursday. <laughs> Okay, come on by, come on by. It's non-Bible study, <laughs> study at all. Okay. Yeah, we, we just buy tequila and in and out yes. <laughs> just talk about. By the way, that's not a bad tradition. Like <laughs> give me an empty room on a Thursday with tequila and in and out. I might go there the rest of my life. Sign me up. Yeah, and I, to, I'd, Maybe I go different drink than tequila. I'm not a big fan of tequila, but still, you're on the right track, okay? No, but Kurt Warner didn't give me that vibe. Sometimes He's religious a nice folks, dude. That's nice. Yeah, religious folks, some of them are wonderful, and they give you a wonderful vibe, right? Like Kurt Warner seemed to have real warmth. If I if I found out that he was like a wackadoodle, like hateful Christian, I'd break my heart because. Mm -hmm. uh, he like in all the interviews, he seems really no, generous. He seems like a nice like a dude. Good side of Christianity, right? Yeah. Whereas I met Jim Caviezel once, and this is the, the most unfair story because I didn't even really meet him. I just saw him in an elevator for about three and a half seconds as he was getting out and I was going in. And but he gave me the weird Jim Caviezel look that just like gave me chills. The one where he has like those super wide eyes. And the eyes are screaming, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That Caviezel look. Uh, so he creeped me out. But Kurt, lovely guy. Lovely guy. Okay. I I have like Simone Sanders has a new MSNBC show, I think. Is or it is okay. or is it CNN Plus? No, it's, it's MSNBC. Okay, yeah, yeah. Who doesn't have an MSNBC show? Oh, it's on the Peacock Hub. I knew it. I knew there was something okay. about it. All right, all right. She's not the next Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> um. That's that, I mean, what is with the Rachel thing? By the way, Jordan might know. He knows a lot of the the hot goss in DC. Uh, what about so, it? Yeah, Rachel Maddow comes in and she's like, "I'm having a life-changing event." And I'll be taking a sabbatical for a couple of months. I was like, all right, what's all the drama, right? <laughs> I was like, maybe hey, you want to write a book. I got it. Why is this like such a big deal? Didn't know that was a thing. I mean, typically when that happens, it's like it's cancer. Uh, I mean, that's mm. just, I don't know. I, I, I don't watch, this is like the only channel that I watch. And I, and look, I mean this in the best way. I don't watch it a lot. I just don't like watching TV. It's just, <laughs> I I don't I I can't tell you the last time I turned on MSNBC, so I didn't even hear that. Yeah, no, they weirdly pumped it up when it was like, okay, she's I think she's taking like a day off when she comes back. Maybe I don't even know. I'm making it up, and she's like taking two months off on a sabbatical to write a book. I'm like, okay, but why all the like the melodrama around it? Wait, so it I, is a book. I think she is going to write a book. Uh, That's her life changing I, event. Yeah, I don't know. She didn't say life changing, but they made it sound like that. They're like, she's like, <laughs> now I will be doing something very different. Are you guys all ready for it? I will not be here every day. I'm like, oh, okay, got it, got it. Um, she, she loves the melodrama. Like I know a lot of people don't like Matt Taibbi, but his book Hate Inc. Like examining the parallels between, or in, in illustrating the parallels between. Hannity and Maddow, I thought was a really good read. Uh, and he said, like he said, this isn't to say that 
Maddow operates in the same way Hannity does. It's just they both serve the same purpose. And what's disappointing is Maddow was known for being an intellectual firebrand for years, mm -hmm. and she's just devolved. And it's like, this is so disappointing because people know she's a lot smarter than she who she pretends to be on TV now. Um, I, like, I, like I said, I know a lot of people don't like him, but I read this book years ago and I thought it was really, really good. And that point has just always stuck with me about Maddow. Yeah, no, Matt's a really smart guy, Matt Taibbi, right? And so to be fair to Taibbi, I haven't seen him anywhere near as aggressive or weird as Greenwald and the others. Yeah, um, Greenwald's lost, he's lost the plot. Yeah, he's gone, he's gone, he's in a different planet. And so, but you get more disappointed in the Glens and the Mats because they used to be really smart. So, and, and it's not like their brains changed in that they're still smart. And that's why it's more disappointing because Glenn's definitely sold out, and why he sold out's a giant mystery, right? But he's all in on the right wing. Uh, Matt, I know less about, uh, but uh, anyways. But look, I feel super guilty criticizing Rachel. We worked together briefly. She was very nice to me when she came in at MSNBC. Everybody likes her. Uh, she's smart, affable person. So come on, well, you know. I feel like. My mainstream Democratic friends are going to be like, God, is nothing good enough for you guys, right? On the yeah. other hand, I can't think of a single progressive thing that Rachel said in a decade. Yeah, and I don't think she's about a lot of the meat and potatoes stuff. She just doesn't really give that kind of stuff oxygen. Um, like. <laughs> It's crazy because I was telling people the other day that like Ezra Klein used to be like one of the most annoying centrist Democrat lib like people ever. And even he's found a way to manage to become like mini radicalized <laughs> in the last like 10 years. He's just like, bro, like all that stuff I was pushing before is kind of ridiculous. And he's moved on another track. Like it's somebody you can see who's moved from the consensus Washington opinion to some his version of being radicalized, right? Like I say that because yeah. like he's like a prominent liberal freaking voice or whatever. Um, Rachel's just on some, I don't even know. And like even Chris Hayes, who I like, and I know some people don't, but I like Hayes. It might be my New York City bias, but like his TV show, I can't watch. His podcast, on the other hand, is smart. Like he has smart people on. He asked them fucking, you know, penetrating questions. He tries to get answers for shit. And we move on with our day. Rachel, I don't, I don't know. And I think part of it, I say all that say, I think part of it is just the format of TV, of cable news. I just think doesn't allow for anything that isn't grotesque and ridiculous. I, and like, cause I haven't seen it work any other way. I've I haven't seen it be successful. In any other way, you know, maybe people might say like, well, you could try to do, you know, not to, you know, pat Shank on the ass, but like you can try to do it like TYT on MSNBC, but it wouldn't work. Some people yeah. might say that. I don't know. I really don't know. Well, here I have spectacular experience. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can answer that question for you. And it turns out it doesn't work. Uh, and by the way, that comes with a giant asterisk. It does work. Uh, I. 
had the best ratings at six o'clock they ever had. And um, but it doesn't work in in that that's not what they're interested in. They don't uh, want that. <laughs> MSNBC doesn't want that. No, thank yeah. you. Look, Ed Schultz had really good ratings when he went more populist, um, and uh, and you know Dylan's ratings were mixed, but his best was when he was populist. Uh, Dylan Radigan. Um, and and so with me for sure. And there was a really trippy, interesting phenomenon. I I don't think I've ever talked to you guys about it. I might have mentioned it only once or twice. Um, so you get every quarter hour ratings on cable, and and they come out usually I think at four o'clock Eastern. And so everybody's obsessed with the ratings, and every culture is different. And and it's that's another thing that's super interesting how different the different. Um, subset of cultures are, right? So whereas the DC culture was unbearable in the ways that we described, the cable news culture is also unbearable, but in a completely different way, right? So when those ratings come out, everybody's at their computer, everybody checking the ratings, right? And um, whenever I criticized Obama, that 15 minutes, the ratings would dip, okay? But then the next day, the ratings would be higher. And so uh, our producers would look at it. They never like went past a day, right? Nobody had, like you'd get the week one and you get the month one and you get the quarter one. And people paid a lot of attention to that because that's a bigger average, right? But they never tracked it past a day. So when they, they see, hey, oh, you criticized Obama and your ratings went down in that quarter hour, they're like, that's it. Never criticize Obama. Okay, and okay, I'm like, no, and and so, but it wasn't just the ratings that they were worried about because by the end, my my ratings were really really good, right? And because what you're doing is, yeah, a couple of people turn off because they like Obama, you said something that it made them uncomfortable about Obama, and they turn it off at that point, right? But they come back the next day and the day after because now they trust you a little bit more. So when you say something nice about Obama. Or the Democrat, you mean it. yeah, yeah, you mean it, and it's not standard fluffarama that's on MSNBC, right? Where none of them, who knows what they actually mean and what they actually think, but they haven't criticized the Democrat in 20 years, right? Well, they haven't criticized an establishment Democrat in 20 years, right? Progressive, yeah. yeah, yeah, they criticized Bernie plenty. Yeah, they lay in the progressives. Joy Ann Reed still taking yeah. shots at Bernie. Joy Reed, look, lately she said a couple of things I like that pissed off the right wing. So I'm in a more charitable mood these days. <laughs> but in the old days, Joy Reed was the worst when it came to progressives. The Bro. absolute worst. Bro, the, the thing is, man. It's just it's like in hindsight, it's just so hilarious that the positioning was that Bernie was quote unquote too white and the person who was black enough was Hillary Clinton. And Joyanne Reed, she pushed that. Like she literally pushed that concept that the blackness in in that race, and then you know they you know Biden kind of did it himself, by the way. No, but Biden did it after he won the the nomination, not during the primary. 
After he won the nomination, he was like, come on. <laughs> Basically telling these NAACP cats, I'll take your black card away if you don't vote for me type of stuff. But like during the the Hillary and, 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 and Bernie primary, like this woman literally was like, Bernie's too white. His politics don't direct, like he's not racializing his policies. And so black people, I guess, are just too blackity black to ever understand what a minimum wage hike or universal healthcare would do for them. Um, and so he's just this hopeless white bread. And the culture, and I say, quote unquote, the culture needs to be messing with Hillary Clinton. Like, it's just so like, <laughs> like what are we talking about? But, but was, you know, the establishment people can say the most absurd things. And get away with it, right? Like if if a progressive said one percent of the crazy shit they say <laughs> nonstop, like come on, really, Hillary Clinton carrying around the hot sauce in your back? <laughs> I mean, come on, man. I mean, you got to give her a Logan Roy type of fuck off on that, <laughs> right? I mean, you kidding me? And they took it like really seriously. They're like, oh my god, look at how she carries around hot sauce. She's so authentic in the black community. <laughs> Fuck off! Like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's Absurdity. Just, on, man. And then and this is the one thing that Tucker Carlson's gotten right in the last 10 years. He's like, hey, what is going on with that FBI investigation of Joy Reid's old blogs? Remember, she said that she was hacked and somebody put up the anti-gay stuff and it wasn't her, and she's having the FBI look into it. Man. Yep. Lee, yeah, they, she said they went in and on that. <laughs> they went in and changed like several year old blog posts, which you know that's that's if someone really wants to do you dirty, they'll go bury some uh, you know outdated, antiquated view way on the back of your website. They wouldn't just put it on the front page. They wouldn't just hack into your Twitter and tweet something offensive. Like it was, it was so blatantly untrue, and the fact that people didn't really no punishment, they didn't really seem to care. Uh, just you know, blatant homophobia uh, wasn't really an issue. Which and, is and look, enjoy and read absurd. another person. Obviously, she's black. I'm black. If you guys didn't can tell, and not only is she black though, but she's also West Indian. I think her people are from Guyana or she's Caribbean. You know, so it's like I feel a connection with her. But my God, is she a sellout? Like it's ridiculous <laughs> how bad of a sellout she is. Or even yo. When I saw that, that I think Nando was the one who texted me when Van Jones got like $150 million from Jeff Bezos. I was like, are y'all watching this? <laughs> Do you guys see this? Or Barry got a, Barry got $100 million for his personal shrine to himself from Bezos. Like, this is like, I'm like, yo, but you know, they're black, so it's great. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm telling you, like, but in DC, they would think that Joy Reid represents all black folks. And That's, that is crazy. And and was since you're not in the elites, they would think, oh, you're just a radical. You don't represent anyone. Like, and it's just the tops of what does Joy and Reid have in common with the people who live in Watts? I Besides don't being black. <laughs> Like outside of that, what does her life have in common with those people? 
I, I don't know. I can't nothing. I can't speak that. Nothing. I can't. Nothing. There is no one to one there. She's just black like them. How can she speak for people in Watts or people in Mississippi or people? You pick a place, Brownsville, Brooklyn, you pick a place. How can a millionaire, somebody who's been rich for a while now, how the hell is she the one speaking to the issues that affect those black people? Like this shit don't make no type of sense to me. I don't mind that she's a millionaire as long as she's actually with the people, right? But, oh, but she's not. But those folks in Washington, they're not with the people. They're just not. I mean, the only thing worse than listening to a low-level staffer in DC is listening to a national media reporter in DC telling you about how great Nancy Pelosi is. I mean, just please shut up, shut, 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 shut up, right? And so, and all those guys, and they they always defend like the greasiest politicians. Anyways, okay, one day my DMs with. Joy Reid might come out, and then you guys will have fun. You'll enjoy those, because <laughs> neither one of us has ever leaked it. I'm not ever going to leak it, right? Uh, but we ripped into each other one day uh, or a couple of days. We we were not happy with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so anyways, uh, look, one last thing, because I promised it. Um, I said, how do you think? We never got back to it, right? But do you guys talk to yourself when you're thinking through like, hey, the stuff I gotta do at work? Or if you don't talk to yourself, who do you talk to? Right? I don't that's why I kind of didn't get it and wanted to bounce it off of somebody. I'm definitely talking to myself and then I'm doing the Siri thing. Set a reminder at 10 a.m. to call your aunt. <laughs> like literally, <laughs> literally doing that. I saw something recently that there's like some people will have that kind of mental narrative and some people don't. Not that there's anything inherently wrong with either, but I fall into the camp that just doesn't. I'll like think through it and I'll kind of I can acknowledge it, but I don't have like a conversation if that's what you mean. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, okay, well, we ran out of time, so that was really uh, under dramatic. Um. <laughs> Okay, you know what though? We're gonna let you guys think it through on your own. And then you could report back to us later. Uh, did you talk to yourself? Did you not have a narrative? Did you think of an Oscar speech or a DNC speech? You could tell us later, okay? <laughs> um, all right, everybody check out Deep Dive, especially this Thursday, uh, starts at 5.30 p.m. I'm gonna do the pocket chip challenge there. Check out Rebel headquarters for both Jordan and Waz. And Waz is also on the ringer. So uh, you guys are awesome. We'll see you next time.